Um, before we read the Bible, let's just pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you that um, you have given us your word. Lord, I just thank you that um, we can use it as a guide to our lives, that everything in there is true um, and that it is such an awesome encouragement and help to us. And Lord, I pray as we read your word this morning that you would um, open our eyes and our ears to the things that you have to say to us. And Lord, I just pray for Joel too, as he brings us the message afterwards, Lord, that um, his words would be your words and that they would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, so I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. Unity in the body of Christ. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. <coughs> Good morning, everyone. Good to uh, be here, good to have you here. For those who don't know me, my name's Joel, and um, it's my privilege to welcome you here to One Hope, and uh, I'm excited. I really am. I, I continually get this sense, whenever I'm here, whenever I'm around different things in our church, I get this sense that, that God's doing something. You know, that there's actually something happening here, and it gets me excited, and I hope it gets you excited, because... And it's not just here as well, as I talk to people from different churches and stuff, there's this, I don't know, sense even just around Melbourne that there's something happening, that there's changes in leadership, there's different things happening, but every people I talk, every church I talk to, every person, they're like, yeah, actually, we feel like God's doing something in our church, and I'm excited. I don't know exactly what the next season looks like, 
or where we're all going, but I am excited that God's doing something. And in particular, I think as we've been looking at our church, we've been looking at our going deeper, essentially. That what does it look like for us to grow as mature disciples? You know, if you think about a tree, a tree is only as strong as the depth of its roots. And so we've been looking at how can we actually go deeper in God's word, in community, in worship, in prayer. We've been looking at all these different little traits and looking at how can we grow, how can we go deeper. And um, in this series, we've been looking at, I guess, how can we go deeper in our relationships, particularly in our relationships of accountability with the few people around us. What does it look like for us to develop, to develop relationships where we can be, where we can trust each other, where we can be truthful and honest, and in that, how we can seek transformation. And that's really the gist of these few weeks. And um, as we're mapping it out, um, you know, we're sort of throwing around, like, what do we call it? What's the title meant to be? Because, like, part of me goes, I don't want it to be, like, anything about accountability. Because accountability is just, like, this yuck word, like Andrew talked about last week. It's this word that we, oh, I don't really like it, you know? Like, we like it for other people. We don't really like it for ourselves. But, I don't know, I just... We kept coming back to like accountable. That's what it's got to be like. It's this word that it's not easy. Accountability is not easy, but we really believe that it is necessary, and that also it can be a beautiful thing. And that's really, I guess, what we're hoping to communicate over these next few weeks. That it's not just a hard thing, but it's actually a beautiful thing. Like, think about it. Imagine a place where you can gather with people whom you trust, and be completely honest and real about your life and what's going on, and that they can then encourage you and point you to Jesus who can then transform those, those situations. Okay, that's, that's a beautiful thing. I want my life to be like that, where there's a few people at the least that I can trust, I can be honest, I can be real, and I can open up about what's really going on in my life. That's a beautiful thing, that they're going to keep me accountable. That, like Andrew said last week, that we can count on them to be there, to support us whenever we need it. And so this morning we're looking at how can we be real and honest and truthful in those relationships. Like, think about it. Because once again, it's a beautiful thing. Like, how good is the friend that tells you that you've got something in your teeth? Like, if you, if you don't do that, you're a terrible person, all right? I'm just going to put that out there. But like, how good is that friend that goes, hey, you've got something? How much better is the friend that tells you, hey, you've got something a bit wrong going on in your life? Like, I don't know if that behaviour is so good on you. I don't know if that character, you know, that is quite right. I don't know if that situation, that negative attitude, that relationship, I don't know. You know, we don't like to hear it, but really, how good is that friend that will actually look at us and knows us so well that actually we can go, oh, I don't know about that. Someone who will tell us the truth and call us out. But not just that, how much better is the friend that will say it and then walk us through with it, walk the journey with us. Not just say, because I mean, it's easier to say stuff. I could, you know, look at any of you and say, yeah, look, I don't know if that's so good. But am I, are we actually willing to walk the road with each other, to be counted on, to actually help each other through that? See, that's what this commitment to accountability is all about. It's a commitment to each other, to holding each other accountable. It isn't easy. It is necessary. 
And it can really be a beautiful thing for, for us as Christians as we decide to commit to each other and help each other become more like Christ. And so today, my question really is, how can we tell the truth in a place of accountability? That's, that's really what I want to tackle. How can we tell the truth in our relationships with each other? Whether it's in a life group, a grow group, whether it's in our family, in a mentor, um, even just with a close friend, how can we actually free ourselves to share openly and honestly about our lives and ourselves and what's going on? Because the reality is, I don't think we often do that. I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at being honest and truthful all the time. I don't know if anyone else is like <laughs> No, I'm not saying like we're all liars, but he, he, we're really good at giving vague answers. We're really good at giving half-truth, at you know, telling half the story, avoiding feedback or criticism, avoiding difficult topics. You know, we, we're really good at sort of you know, saying something that's true, but not like completely real and honest. You know, I've been in many grow groups with guys, and it's always the classic, oh, how you going? Like, you struggling with anything? Yeah, I'm struggling with temptation. Yeah, and, that, and it's like, okay, cool, we'll pray for that. And we don't go any further than that. We don't, and it's like, what temptation? Like, we all get tempted. And we're like, we all know what we're saying as well. You know, everyone knows what they mean by temptation. But do you know what I mean? Like, we're really good at giving that sort of vague answer. Or can you pray for me? I've had a really average week. Well, what's been going on? Like, tell us actually honestly and really what's going on. Being honest and real and truthful and vulnerable. It's not easy, but it is necessary if we're to grow together in what we're doing. And so this morning, we're going to look at three foundational beliefs from Ephesians. Three sort of theological convictions that we need to have so that we can share openly and freely. And we're going to look at three practical insights as well. So, and especially we're going to focus around the key verse in, in verse 15, which says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him. So that will be one of the key verses that we look at. So firstly, how can we tell the truth in place of accountability? Number one, because grace was given. Look at me in verse 7. It says, But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. See, we can be honest people. We can be real and truthful about who we are because we know what God has done. Like we were saying earlier, we, we know who we are. Like, I am who you say I am. Grace has been given and it totally changes everything. We are broken people, we're sinful people, and we all are, and we can be honest and real about that, but we also know that we're chosen, forgiven, not forsaken, and then we can be real. You know, Paul is probably the greatest example of this. He's, he has some pretty honest self-reflection in his letters to the churches. I mean, just look at this one. So he, he writes to Timothy, who's his young sort of apprentice. In 1 Timothy 1, Verse 12, he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he has judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. I'd say um, that's a fair resume. I think we've got it on the screen, actually. Do we have the 1 Timothy 1? A blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. Like, that is, like I said, that's some resume of your past life. 
But, he says, but I received mercy. Why? Why did he receive mercy? Because he acted ignorantly in unbelief. It's not anything he's done, but the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, who I am the foremost. Paul is really honest about where he's been, where he's come from, who he is, essentially, in a way. He's not afraid to hide, oh, you know, that I'm a sinner, that I've messed up, that I'm broken. He doesn't try and hide it because he knows that grace has been given, because he knows that grace has covered that and it's changed that, and he's no longer defined by his sin, but he's now defined by the grace and the mercy that he's received in Jesus. It changes everything. So we can be honest and real because we know that grace has been given. We can be truthful in our relationships with people because we know that our sin doesn't define us, but instead grace and who God says we are is what defines us. Essentially, it looks that we're not working for validation, but we're working from validation. We're not working to impress people. We're not working to sort of well, look at me, how good am I, because this is what I've done. But instead, actually, I'm broken. I've messed up. But I know that I've been validated by Jesus. That he's the one that stamped the grace and love over my life. And that is what defines me. That's who I am. It's by grace that you've been saved, not by works, so that no man can boast. See, we're all broken. We're all saved by grace. And it's not by our works. So we can be honest about our works, because our works don't define us. Our works don't decide the outcome, whether they're good or bad. And so instead, we don't judge each other as well, because the other side, I think we need to free each other to share openly by not being so judgmental when people do share. And so when people do share about their works, good or bad, we don't praise them or we don't ridicule them. Instead, we point them again to the grace of Jesus, because that's what's saying. So we can be honest, we can be real. One, because grace has been given. Two, is because Jesus ascended far above. Look at verse 10. It says, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. You know, as we sang those songs this morning, and it's like this constant theme that God is worthy. And that he is holy, he is set apart, there's no one like him, and that he reigns. He's seated on the throne. We need to be reminded of that, that God is the one in control, and that he is sovereign. See, so often that so often we are dishonest or we lie in situations in because essentially, if you can boil it down to one thing, there's probably multiple things, but if you can boil it down to one of the key things, it's because we want to control things. We want to control the way that people see us. We want to control the way a conversation might work or how a relationship will be played out or how the manager will see us. So we just sort of say, oh, I'm sick. Sick today? When you're not really. We control, we try and control certain things. We try and avoid conflict, avoid disappointment. And so we give vague answers or we tell little white lies. But there's something that we all need to hear is that Jesus is the one that's in control. He is the one that who, did, who ascended far above, 
far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Not just some things, not just you know, the Sunday things, not just the things that you know, have a Christian label on it, that he might fill all things. See, your, your efforts to control things will only get you so far. And in fact, it'll be really exhausting. If you ever tried to keep up with a web of little white lies that you told, that, you know, I remember when I was working in Officeworks, you know, called in sick when I wasn't sick, went out with some friends instead, and then all of a sudden you've got to be like, oh, hold on, don't post anything on Facebook, don't tag me, um, I know my manager follows you, so you can't post anything. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to keep a hold of everything because you're trying to control everything. But there's actually freedom and rest in the fact that Jesus is the one who's in control. And it's not always easy to see that. It's not always feels like that. But we walk by faith and not by sight. Even when we're unsure, we cling to the truth that Jesus is the one in control. He's the one who's going to lead us home by his grace, not by our works. And so we follow him, being honest and truthful. So we can be honest and real because one, grace is given. Two, because Jesus ascended above. And three, because he gave us people. Look at verse 11. He says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers why he gave them to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Nearly all those roles somewhere in their job description has something to do with either teaching the truth or protecting the truth. All the, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, evangelists, they all have to do with either teaching the truth, speaking the truth, or protecting the truth somewhere in their job description. That God has given us people to equip us, to build us up, to train us in the ways of the truth. So you can look around and you might see some teachers, some prophets, some evangelists, some apostles, some people here that God has given us to equip us and to build us up. So that we can be real and honest because actually there's people here that are helping us to grow and to support us. And so we commit to each other, we commit to church, to learning, to listening, to teaching God's word, to being equipped. Because we realise that actually God has given the church people to do that. You know, ask yourselves, do, we, do you need to be more equipped? Do you, need, do you need, feel like you need more help in this journey of following Christ? Well then, Sink in, dive deeper, look around, find some people to help you, grow in God's environment, sink in. Maybe you're the one that needs to get equipping. Maybe you have got something to share. Have a look around, find someone, equip them, help them, support them in their journey. So here's the, here's the foundational belief that actually God has given his church the people it needs to grow. That's what Ephesians is saying, that God has given, not past tense, but presence tense, he's given people, why? So that the saints can be equipped and the body can be built up. So therefore, I believe that here, in this group of people here, that there 
We have what we need to be equipped and to grow and to become more like Christ. And it's in God's Word, and it's in His Spirit, and it's in His people. Have a look around. See the people that are going to equip you, or that you're going to equip. And that as we grow in that, as we become equipped in that, we can be honest and real with each other. We can learn how to do that better. And instead of being tossed around by the winds and the waves and being shaky in our faith, we can actually be grounded in Christ and grow into Him. So we can be honest and real because one, grace has been given. Two, Jesus ascended far above all things. And three, he's given us each other to help each other grow. So that's our free theological, that's our grounding essentially. And on top of that, we're going to look at some practical things. You all following? Yeah. Good? All right. So last week, Andrew talked about... Um, Committing to accountability, yeah? And we talked about trust. Trust is one of the key elements that we can count on God and we can count on each other because we're part of the same body. God has called us together and we can count on each other. And I was thinking this week, you know, what comes first? Like, trust or truth? I mean, we preached on truth. We preached on trust first. We preached on trust first. So is that like the first step? In accountability, like is this a step by step sort of situation that if we trust each other, then we truth with each other and then we transform each other? Is that how it works? Because I think often in our culture we'll probably say, yeah, that's how it works. We need to build up trust with each other to the point where we can then be honest and real and then follow that journey for a bit and, you know, we'll see change. And, you know, it, it does make sense, but. Can I, can I be honest? I feel like this morning I can be honest since we're talking about truth. But I, I think that thinking has flaws. Because, I, and we get it so often in church where we go, oh, you know, I'm with a new life group, or I'm with a new group of people, and oh, it's just going to take time for us to get to a point where we can be real, real with each other, because, you know, things like that. But the thing is, like, being honest, real, vulnerable, telling the truth, it's never going to be super comfortable. Like, think about your family and when you have to have honest conversations with them. Like, you've known them your whole life, but it's never that easy. It's always a bit uncomfortable. But secondly, you know, and this is probably more the point, is how do you build trust with someone? You tell the truth. You be real, you be honest. Otherwise, we're forever going to be suspicious and unsure and, like, you know, what, who are they really, what are they really like, you know? We actually have to be real and honest with each other right from the outset. Um, Craig Rochelle says this, and if you want to, if you like, if you're someone like me who struggles with sort of lying and little white lies and trying to exaggerate things and stuff, um, Craig Rochelle has a very good um, sermon uh, called Necessary Sins and If You're Lying. It's on YouTube and you watch it. Um, and in that, he says, We cannot build a real relationship on a foundation of lies. It's, you know, it, it makes sense, but like sometimes I think we just need to hear it. That unless we're real and honest with each other, we actually can't build a relationship of trust with each other. So it's not necessarily we need trust and then we tell the truth. Actually, I think they're both same, two sides of the same coin. Now, I know lies in that context feels extreme. Like we probably don't 
flat out lie to each other. But like I said before, we can be vague and we can tell the sort of half-truth, we can wear masks, we can sort of put up all of our protective barriers and walls and not let people in. And I think right from the outset, as Christians, as a church, we should be authentic and real and honest about who we are. And it's on that foundation that we can actually build relationships of trust where we can count on each other for everything. Now, obviously, there's probably been situations in your life, and I know in my life, where the honest approach doesn't always go so well. And there's a need for wisdom, and there's a need for love, which we'll get into in a minute. But I really want to stress that for us, no matter how long we've known each other, in our relationships of accountability, if we're to build trust, we need to be real, we need to be honest, we need to tell the truth. When you think about, for many of you in life groups this year, many of you would have spent the first month, a couple months, just telling your life stories. I don't know groups that were completely new, that told their stories and were really honest about where they've been and where they've come from. And it's, take, it's built a level of trust that normally would have taken sort of months, maybe years to get to. Because we decided right from the outset, okay, I'm going to be real, I'm going to be honest about who I am and and it's built that trust. It's built that level of depth. So all of a sudden, telling the truth is less of a matter of, do I trust this person? It's more a matter of, can I trust this person? It's almost like a step of faith. It's not just, can, do I trust them? Like, can I trust them to be real and honest right from the outset about who I am? About who I am. And if these are the people that God has given if these are the people that, that God has given to equip and to build us up, then let's go for it. And let's actually, from the outset, be real and honest about who we are. And what we're struggling with, and what we're dealing with, and where we need to grow. And in that, we hold on to two promises in the Word of God. And I want to particularly challenge us as a church, in our relationships of accountability, to be real, and honest, particularly about our struggle with sin. Because I think it's something within our culture that we can easily neglect and we don't talk about and we don't deal with and we need to actually be honest about our sin and where we're struggling and what we're dealing with. One before God and two before each other. And so in that, God promises to do stuff when we do that. So 1 John 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That when we're real and we're honest before God, when we confess what we've done, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us and cleanse us. Total game changer. Grace given, a new definition of who we are. But the second one is one of my favourites, James 5.16 where it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for another that you may be healed. What if the healing and the transformation and the restoration that we're after is actually within our groups of accountability where we confess our sins and we're honest about, this is what I'm struggling with, this is what I'm dealing with, this is what's going on. Help me out. So you can spend a lot of time impressing people with your strengths. But you really connect with people over your weaknesses. 
when you actually you turn to people and say, I, I need you. I need help in this. I can't do this alone anymore. And we build relationships of trust and truth and transformation. And what if, what if actually the healing and the restoration that we're after is found as we confess our sins, as we're honest and real about what we're going through? Now, I'm not saying you have to come up the front and confess all your sins to everyone here this morning. But I'm saying, do you have people around you where you can be honest and real, even if it's just two or three? And that as we pray for each other in those situations, we trust that God will work. We hold on to that promise that he will do something. So that's trust and truth. But now into verse 15 where it says, Speaking the truth in love. So here's the thing, we need to learn as a church, particularly in our culture, how can we speak the truth in love? It's a, a tough balancing act. And... You know, a lot of criticism of the church has pretty much been that we haven't done this well. Either we haven't told people what we really believe and we neglect to speak the truth, or we do so in a way that's hurtful, judgmental. And so, particularly in our world, we're called to be different. Not just in our own groups, but within our context, learning how we can speak the truth in love. And so, let's do a little poll here, just to see where everyone's at. Let's pretend we've got this scale. Down this end is truth without love. Like, I am someone, I'll just tell you flat out what it is, you know. This is truth without love, yeah? And then on this side, we're going love without truth. So I'll make you feel good, but I won't really tell you what's going on. All right, so where would you place yourself? Hands up if you were, like, down this end, truth without love. You can, come on, we can be honest, we can be real, hands up. Alright, a few of you. What about this end, this side, love without truth, hands up. Alright, and we've got a lot of people that must be in the middle, perfect, I'm guessing, because it wasn't all hands. That's cool. Either way, we need to hear this. It's been a while, Glenn, I'm glad you're here. Timothy Keller, he's been missing from the pulpit for a while, so I'm bringing him back. Hear this, people of God. Timothy Keller, what does he write? He writes, Truth without love is imperious self-righteousness, and love without truth is cowardly self-indulgence. <laughs> I read that and had to read it over. I had to, do, I had to look what does imperious mean. Um, <laughs> arrogance and domineering is the definition there. All right. Truth without love is arrogant, domineering, imperious self-righteousness where it's still how much better am I than you essentially but love without truth is cowardly self-indulgence where we're not real about you know where we're not truthful and once again it's how much better am I than you because I'm not going to tell you the truth we need to humble ourselves Put God first, put each other first, and learn how to better speak the truth in love. And obviously, Jesus is the greatest example. So if you need help, look to the life of Jesus. Read some stories of the gospel this week. Jesus is the same man who, who you know, when the woman's caught in adultery, she's dragged out, and the Pharisees, he, he sort of gets them to leave, but, you know, saves this woman's life, but he still says to the woman, go and leave your life of sin. 
you know, it's still very real that like, you can't keep doing this. And yet he's the same man that, if you read some of his words, particularly in Matthew to the Pharisees, he's got some harsh things to say. And yet he's still loving towards the Pharisees. Some of his closest relationships with Pharisees within the Bible, you know, Joseph, uh, Nathaniel, other guys like that. Other, other than disciples, it's most likely that Jesus spent the most of his time with the, the Pharisees. Outside of the disciples the most time. And one thing for me that I take away from the life of Jesus in regards to speaking the truth and love is that it's always a personal, face-to-face thing. It's always along the road of life. You know, he speaks the truth to the Pharisees, but he, he spends a lot of time with them. Probably every Sunday or Saturday in the synagogue with them, teaching, listening, chatting to them, going to their houses. It's a, it's a, it's, we're talking about a commitment to accountability. It's not just a one-off thing. It's not just a once-a-month thing. How can we actually commit to each other in a way that, you know, we're walking the road together? And if you struggle, I struggle. If you celebrate, I celebrate. That, like, it's this way of life thing where we're seeking trust and truth and transformation with a group of people. So essentially, to put both things together, because it can seem like it's a bit of a contradiction. One, we, we don't wait for trust to tell the truth. Truth builds trust. On the flip side, we don't just tell the truth and then run away. We actually walk the road together because we're committed to each other. We love one another. We're going to walk together. And I read this week, I can't remember where I found it, so, but he just said, he's speaking about the truth in love, and he goes, it requires nothing less than the power and wisdom of the ascended King Jesus. Like, this is something we can't do in our own strength. And so we need to continually seek Jesus, seek his wisdom, his power, and his spirit to live this out. But then lastly, the verse doesn't stop there. It's not, the focus even isn't even on speaking the truth in love. The focus is on the second half of the verse where it says we are to grow up into, in every way into him. See, this isn't just about how do we say nice things in a nice way or how do we say harsh things in a nice way. This is all about how, how can we become more like Christ? How can we grow? How can we transform, become like him? See, we're to grow up, we're to change, we're to become more like Jesus by speaking the truth in love. And the ultimate truth that we need to share in that context is that of the gospel. Jesus says it himself in John chapter 8, I think we've got it on the screen, where Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That this is connection between Jesus saying, Abiding in my word and the truth. They're the same thing. And so if we want to be set free, if we want to be changed, if we want to grow, we need to speak the truth in love. And so my question is, how often are we speaking the truth of God's word to each other? How often are we speaking the truth of the gospel to each other within those relationships of accountability, in our life groups, in our families, 
in our friendships, in our mentors, in with our grow groups? Like, how often do we actually pull this out and read it together and point each other to the truth? Because ultimately the truth of God's word, if we abide by it, that's when we know that we are his disciples and that's when we know that we'll be set free. My question is, who do you have in your life that will point you to God's Word? You know, God's Word says that, that bad company ruins good morals. If you look through Proverbs, there's a whole lot of Proverbs that speak about the influence of the people around you and that you, essentially, that your friends shape your future. That the people around you will influence your direction. And so, how many people do you have in your life that will tell you the truth? That will be honest and real about what they see in you, good and bad. But almost more importantly than that, how many people in your life do you have that will point you to the truth of God's word? And are you that person? Are you that person within the relationships around you that will point people to God's truth, to his gospel? Because in the end, that's what's going to change people. We don't change people by saying, or by, you know, real honest encouragement, or, you know, if we just get together and share about our struggles and our sins, that will magically just change and transform. Like, that's not the truth that's going to change us. The truth that changes us is God's Word. Do you know, I had this experience in my grow group last week, none of them are here, which might say something, but oops. <laughs> um, no, Todd, I'm kidding, Todd's in, um, Todd's in turbos. But, you know, we had a, we had a great chat. And as I was driving home, I literally just went, oh my goodness, I missed the whole point. I missed the whole point. We, we, I, I, we, we, had a, we had to have our general chat about our week and what's going on and um, how's God been speaking to you. And then um, I'd seen something on Instagram earlier that day, so that sort of prompted a question. So I asked, like, what are your top three sins? You know, what are sort of the top three sinful, you know, patterns in your life? Um, we had, like, real, like... Those was like real answers. I was like, well, did not expect that. Um, real honest. And then, um, oh, and then we sort of said, the follow-up question was then, okay, what's one healthy step forward for you? you know, how can you draw closer to God this week? So not just how do we flee from sin, but how do we pursue God? It's sort of the general idea. And as I was driving home, I just, oh man, I was like devastated because I'm just like, I just missed the biggest opportunity to remind these guys of the gospel, to remind myself of the gospel. Because I had some worship music playing on my way home, and I was just like, I just missed the whole point. Like, we just shared how sinful we are, and we shared how much we're struggling, and I, like I, we didn't remind each other that actually God's forgiven us, and that that doesn't define us, and that grace has covered us. And I'm like, we're just, like, I was just, like, devastated, because I'm like, Am I just trying to do this all as myself in my own strength? Am I actually trusting that God's gospel, that his truth will set us free? I don't know about you, but I'm sure that you could think of situations in your life as similar. In your life groups, when people are sharing their struggles, do we just offer great advice or do we actually point them to Jesus? You know, in our families, when someone's had a rough day, do we come back to this or do we just come up with some good ideas or something that I've heard earlier this day? 
See, God's word, his truth is what needs to be at the center of our discipleship in our homes, in our life groups, grow groups, in any sort of ministry. This is the truth, and the truth will set people free. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the power for salvation to anyone who believes. So where does that leave us as we wrap up? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's some practical things for you to put into your life. Maybe there's, you know, some important steps that you can look at in your life groups, grow groups, whatever. But this morning, for me, the most important thing is do you know the truth? Do you know the ultimate truth of what God has done for you? Because that's what's really going to change us. If we look further ahead in John chapter 8, so Jesus has just said, the truth will set you free. And he's talking to Jews who have just believed. And these guys respond and they say, well, we are offspring of Abraham and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? And Jesus answered them, said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The sun remains forever. So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. See, what Jesus is saying is not just about freedom where you can do whatever you want, but he's saying that because of what Jesus has done, because the sun has set us free, we remain in the house forever. We're, like Donna said at the start, we're a child of God. And this changes everything because in my Father's house there's a place for me. And that's a present thing, that's a future thing. And it's not bought by your own good works or by what you've done, but it's bought by what Jesus has done on the cross. That's the truth that would set people free. That your works here are not going to save you, but Jesus will and has. And that our eternal security is bought by what he's done. So we can be free. We can be real, we can be honest, we can be who we are because we know that grace covers us. So today, may we all be reminded, not just of the practical steps and things that we can implement in our lives, but of the truth. That like Paul, you might feel like the chief of sinners. You might feel like I've messed up and I've done a lot of wrong things. But we've received mercy. God loves you. And he set you free. He loves you as you are, but he won't leave you as you are. And as you walk with him, he will change you and transform you and become more like him. May that be for all of us. Amen? I'm going to invite our music team up and we're going to sing a song. And for me, it's of no doubt uh, like that one of the most timeless songs of history has to do with grace. That one of the songs that's sung all over the world for the last 500 years or so has to do with amazing grace. Because we always need to be reminded of it. Because we always drift away from it. We become independent. We rely on our own works and our own things. And we constantly have to come back to amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. So I'm going to stand and...